the 9th of June. So welcome to River Radio's Political Correct show on Wednesday the 9th of June. We've got some very interesting stories coming up for you today. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Michael Borton. Michael, hello. How are you? Oh, sorry. Good morning to you. Hi. Good <laughs> afternoon to you. Good evening to you. <laughs> and welcome, as they say. <laughs> So what have we got? Tell me what we've got coming up today. Well, we've got a very interesting show. A lot's been happening recently. So we've got um, James Bagley coming in today. And James is what is the local democracy reporter. I'll introduce him in very a shortly. Democracy reporter? Correct. Well, we, we can ask him about that. Yeah, I will. That's a, were you, that's were you worried about democracy or reporter? Um, well, no. I, I mean, you'd like to think that all reporters uh, are democratic in the way they look at things. But a, a democracy reporter sounds good. I want one of those. Well, we've started on this already. Surely a reporter has to have an angle. But does that mean, yes, in a, a, and hmm, I suppose I've, perhaps it's my interpretation of democracy. Democracy ah. I interpret as something about um, freedom and honesty. But of course, that's not what democracy is all about, is it? So if you look at the free and honest press. You're going straight off on a tangent already. <laughs> no, I like this. I like <laughs> this. Excellent. Listening, you're listening to River Radio, Politically Correct. If you've got any questions, email them to us, studio at river.radio, or wisdom at studio, sorry, wisdom at river.radio if you've got any issues you want us to talk to talk about in the future. So, shall we, shall we crack straight on? Let's, let's go with, um, what we're going to talk about smoking. So, that I understand there's going to be uh, a, an anti Sorry, smoking is going to be banned more widely than just in public space, in public buildings. But also, the question is, how far do you take it? We're talking about... You know, I, it's, inev- it's been inevitable for years that, that you, get to, you start off by, by, by saying, ooh, it's bad for you, and then you move on to uh, you can't smoke in public houses, and then you can't smoke in venues, and now you can't smoke outside, you have to smoke in a smoking area. And in airports, you had a little place, and then now you can't smoke inside or outside. It was inevitable, wasn't it, that you were forbidden from smoking, because... It's not good Well, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. So we'll be having James coming in. We're talking about what's happening in Oxfordshire. A democracy report. Will I'd that like be that. extended to where you live, listener? Good <laughs> question. Do you want it to be extended to where you live? Oh, Boris has been in town, in Cheshire and Amersham. We wonder why. He was down at the local pub, supping pints. He wasn't getting... No, he was already married because he did that in London. So he's, he's not, it's a long way to come for a drink. I don't, know where his, I don't know where his normal home is, if he has one. I mean, I mean the thing is, that's very close to checkers, isn't it? It's quite easy for him to pop out. It could be for a quick drink. Sorry, did I say that out loud? Yes. My apologies. <laughs> and what else did John Boris talk, talk about? We'll find out. And what are the key issues, really, for people in Chesham and also in, in Bucks? Um, I think it's a three-letter... Le- three um, expression HS2, that's not three letters, that's two letters and a, <laughs> and a number. <laughs> and then, of course, James will be back here and we'll be talking about library closures in RBWM. But, but is it just RBWM or will many other local authorities where you live be looking at library closures? It's interesting what you said about HS2 because I was following the political diary and commentary about uh, foreign aid mm-hmm. uh, and the um, the group of um, conservative politicians decided to break away. They didn't, they're not, not being successful, obviously, but uh, they were talking about bin HS2, uh, two letters and a number, and put the money towards foreign aid because they've dropped it down from 07 to 0.5%, which is, given, given the trend globally, where everyone is keeping it the same or putting it up, we're kind of sending out the wrong message there, I think. Mm. There's so many complexities here. And then finally, James will be talking to us about a council taking another council to court, all over water. 
Okay, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. Great. So let's introduce um, the resident reporter, our resident um, news beagle. Democracy reporter. Well, I'm about to ask him. James Bagley. James, welcome to the back of the show. Hello, thank you for having me again. So James, what is a local democracy reporter? Oh, uh, well, layman's terms, uh, we cover whatever happens the council is doing. Um, it's a BBC-funded uh, scheme. Um, right. Where uh, the BBC pretty much wanted want, uh, wanted uh, reporters to mainly cover the political side, uh, mainly what the councils are, are, are doing. Um, so that's what I do, and there's uh, about 150 of us, I believe, across the UK. Um, so, yeah, it's putting democracy back into localism. Well, that's really interesting. So the BBC are almost like training up the next generation of uh, the Patrick O'Hagans or the um, uh, whoever else you can think of. Patrick Burns or Norman Smith. Fantastic. So they funded you, and are they directly employing you? How does that work? No. Um, so what, what they do is that uh, we sign up to a wire system so we put our stories into that wherever it may be and uh, whoever is signed up to that so daily mail or you know nationals even the maidenhead advertiser um they can use our stories pretty pretty much so, so it's quick- almost freelance pretty much <laughs> okay so very quickly any story that you write as a local democracy reporter paid by the bbc can hit the nationals and, and then yeah. you get do you get more money if it hits the nationals if they see what you've written and say oh he's onto something there uh, I wish. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so we haven't sorted out the royalties yet on no, this one. No, sadly not, but uh, I don't know, maybe one day. And what sort of training do they give you? Uh, it's college, mainly. Um, and uh, when it comes to, when it comes, uh, in terms of being a local doctor reporter, they do train you. Um, actually, give you radio training. Like my husband, how to right. talk, talk on radio about your stories and give a... And do they give you a mentor to somebody sort of review your work and say, look, actually you're doing really well. Let's have this little program. We'll up the ante on, on, for example, questioning or on probing or on um, being a little bit obnoxious at times. Yes, but I think that's mainly your host papers, I'd say. Um, So I'm hosted in Slab Slab Server and Windows Server, so that'd be my answer. And how long does that program run for? Uh, The local democracy report. Yeah. Oh, it's just extended till... um, uh, three more years now, so uh, 2024. And what are the best bits about that role that you've taken? Uh, well, I'm in, well for me personally, I'm, I'm interested in politics, so it's, inter- it's covering uh, local polit- uh, politics, because I think some, t- some people focus too much on the national, where they don't know what's happening in their own back garden. So. Mm-hmm. And politics is a, is a word, a catch-all word. What does it mean for you, local politics? Local politics? Um, decision-making, so... Uh, democracy, what's actually hap- uh, what, what accounts are deciding on in terms of, I don't know, implementing new uh, highway uh, restrictions or something like that. It's, 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 in, it's interesting how uh, the, the common voter, if you ask them to define local politics, and, and you'd like to think decision-making would be the, a, a clear and obvious answer. Sadly, I think reality would probably be a different perception on local politics, which would be actually stopping things happening and too long discussing things and doing things, rather than perhaps one of representation. Local, I mean, that's how I see it, local representation, uh, so, that, so that decisions can be made on our behalf. Yep. 
But uh, th- there's a different reality, I suspect. I, I think you're right. People, if they understand what's going on, if people like James uh, t- and even River Radio, this politically correct show, we're saying, this is what's going on. These are the decisions that are being made. What do you think? How would you like that changed? So they can have a, if not straight away, then certainly over a period of time, a, a drip, feed, drip feed influence to change the way things are done locally. Yeah, uh, very much so. And that, for me, would be democracy in action in that respect. Um, as a dem- democratic democracy, I love that. <laughs> I had a really interesting uh, email from Extinction Rebellion after our show last week when we were talking about democracy and how the Magna Carta has actually um, oh, influenced yes. how democracy has unfolded in this country. So what they said is that what we really want is we want to go back to the Greek system where everybody has a say on everything locally. And I thought that was interesting. Basically, a citizens' assembly is what Extinction Rebellion were talking about. Um, but we'd obviously still need a people or an information system currently provided by James to tell us what's actually happening, what uh, decisions are being made. Do you think, and, and a, a question for both of you as well, that, that sometimes we've lost the point of uh, that the, the voter has empowered someone to do something on their behalf. It's not the other way around. Absolutely. And yet there is a, a completely different perception. We know best. Yeah, hang on, but we voted you in. So you represent what we want. We can vote you out again. I think that's the big, big, big phrase, isn't it, which we talked about last week, which was governance by consent. Yeah. And yeah. Yep. So yeah. how do people become a local democracy reporter, James? If anyone's listening there at the moment saying, you know what, this is for me, or I know a young person who would really love to do this, to really get under the, the hood of, um, of the engine of democracy and say, what's really going on here and tell people. Just apply, I'd say. I think there's, uh, because there's been a few more uh, jobs uh, going as well. I um, can't remember how many specifically, but um, uh, I'd say keep, just, just apply. So apply, apply, and uh, they just... find if there's any uh, work near you. And if you want to get into journalism as a whole, I'd, I'd recommend going to college. Okay. Probably, probably the best way, that's how I did it. And if people want to pick your brains, James, how do they contact you? So for stories, um, you can contact me on my email, which is james.bagley, B-A-G-L-E-Y, at newsquest.co.uk. Okay, should we go to a song? I'm thinking, given all this talk of power, which is currently in the darkness, perhaps we could go to a very old Tom Robinson song. (laughs) Okay. Nation. Nice. 
6pm curfew is to remain strictly enforced for the time being. Today, institutions fundamental to the British system of government are under attack. The public schools, the House of Lords, the Church of England, the holy institution of marriage, even our magnificent police force are no longer safe from those who would undermine our society. And it's about time we said enough is enough and saw a return to the traditional British values of discipline, obedience, morality and freedom. Freedom from the Reds and the Blacks and the criminals, prostitutes, pansies and punks, football hooligans, juvenile delinquents, lesbians and left-wing scum. Freedom from the niggers and the packies and the unions. Freedom from the gypsies and the Jews. Freedom from the long-haired layabouts and students. Freedom from the likes of That was Power in the Darkness from, I believe, the 1970s, Tom Robinson Band. And how many of those things that Tom Robinson was singing about way back then are still issues now? And how many of them actually have started to be sorted out? It's I great the to one hear- about the motorway. Oh, goodness, let's not start on the motorway. <laughs> we've got, I'm sure we've got a story. I'm sure James can talk about the story about how um, a, a local police chief actually said that he won't let his wife drive on a smart motorway. This is the RAC, a story in the RAC journal, which um, I'm a member of. (laughs) This is another programme, totally. Absolutely. A a police programme about driving. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so... And and sexism. Sexism, racism, this. Isms, any isms isms out there. Right. James, welcome back. Oh, sorry, I I put you on the spot there. I'm just really fascinated by your role. But um, you're not here to talk about um, reporting, but really what you've actually been doing recently. Tell us about um, one of the interesting stories that's happening or something that looks to be unfolding in Oxfordshire. So what's happening in Oxfordshire, they're uh, considering plans of folks... Banning smoking on uh, outdoor hospitality areas. So what that means is uh, restaurants and bars and stuff like that. Um, and they're hoping to be the first smoke-free county by 2025, so four years away. Uh, so the plans, these are draft proposals, so not set in stone, keep, keep in mind. Uh, we'll see the employers encouraged to promote smoke-free environmentally, uh, environment and support staff to quit smoking. Um, while local N- NHS trusts will be smoke free while encouraging smokers using mm. working in the NHS to quit. Um, so it's been quite controversial with um, some nationals. The Express run the headline uh, with, the, with, the, with Nanny State in, in the headline, believed or not, thinking that um, council shouldn't be forcing uh, adults to quit smoking because smoking end of the day it's an adult choice whereas uh, the Oxfordshire Public Health is saying uh, well it is our responsibility because we take 
What if the council were to do it with the um, clinical commissioning group or the, or the health authority? Are they working together? Who's funding this? Uh, oh, well, they haven't talked about funding, so it's again, it's still up in the air, but uh, it would be collaborative work between the council and the public health team. Okay, so, so there seems to be an agenda going on here where perhaps uh, uh, Oxfordshire is the first, dare I say it, um, pilot almost. That's going where they're trying this uh, com- combination. I could be wrong here. I'm just speculating here, listener. Um, but this, they're trying this combination of the health authority getting together with the local council. I presume the local council will be saying something like, "Well, we we can control the licensing. So if you've got an outdoor space, we will just include within our license our new terms that you cannot. You have to ban smoking. I don't know whether legally there's a precedent for that, where they have they have the ability to do that, or or not. And then on the other hand, and of course you've got the um, health authorities who might be saying, well, what? Because it's a long game for them. Just because somebody, we stop smoking in a public place, it doesn't mean all of a sudden the, the rates of cancer or morbidity or COPD or any other respiratory condition is going to drop like a stone. So what's, what's the long, long game? Is there any sort of question or any comment from the uh, health bodies? Well, I think also just, just on that, I, I, I also think it also on air pollution as well because albeit uh, smoking if you're comparing it to with uh, you know automobiles for instance diesel engines they cause more harm than smoking but smoking is still a, a, a contributor to that wouldn't you think so well i don't know i mean uh, what does the data say what has the health authorities have they comment, commented on that are they saying hey guys you smoke you're contributing to our air pollution and so to our respiratory death right have they said that? But I, I mean, there's some there's some starting startling evidence of, of the damage that smoking does. Indisputable evidence that smoking is not good for your health. Agreed. And that also applies to secondary smoking. In other words, where you're near someone that's smoking and you're inhaling passive that. smoking. As a child, I I grew up with a father that smoked forty cigarettes a day in the car wherever, and I had no choice. I breathed in the smoke that was coming from his cigarettes. We have an opportunity to to reduce the impact of that and and the natural evolution. Because I remember when they first started to ban smoking in pubs uh, and there was uproar. Oh, freedom of blah, 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 and all the things that go there. But the, 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 the baseline reality of this is if this contributes to uh, stopping one person getting cancer, as far as I'm concerned, then it's justified. And, and whether you link it to... A political agenda or a health agenda, it's still the same outcome. Less people smoke, or less people smoke in an environment where more people are breathing in, less people will die. Uh, and the impact on the health service, whilst, as you're quite right, Eston, that is not going to be instant, will improve over time. And I do wonder whether not only will it not be instant, whether it be actually marginal, because the um, effects of smoke inhalation in an outdoor space are severe substantially reduced to the effects on an indoor space uh, i do wonder also what do the to you as a as a restaurateur or as a as a bar owner where you or a cafe owner where you've got these outside spaces and as global warming increases we get more lovely lovely weather outside well is that going to affect the dwell time are people going to stay less longer and you know, buy less I, and I, drink I, less I, I would i'd be very surprised uh and again with we're throwing thoughts out there rather than statistics Absolutely. the reality is i suspect that most people when they sit down to eat a meal they don't want someone else's cigarette or cigar smoke wafting past them and i've heard that 
complaint before in pubs and restaurants that uh, that inhibits the pleasure of the meal i'd rather smell the onion rings quite frankly (laughs) depending on who's made them (laughs) that's how common i go down to the onion rings i don't mind um it's a moot point but i i think it's inevitable we are i I don't think we can stop it we couldn't stop it in 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 pubs and then in public buildings and in libraries and i think the gradual encouragement will be to remove it has a huge industry that's determined to make people smoke because they're it's their business yeah it's like gambling you want people to gamble more because it's your business absolutely surely i think more and more councils yeah. i think more and more councils though they're going to buying it even though it's just oxford at the moment doing it um, i spoke to uh, a council to see if they had any plans about it and although they're not considering it now the once plans are in action oxford uh, oxfordshire Mm. well they'll be eyeing it and see if uh, there's any data that comes out of it yep. for public health so we'll have to see uh, it'll be interesting though because Slough and Oxfordshire are completely different areas if you like um, Slough is very, very much an urban area where um, any of the eating and drinking most of it happens inside rather than outdoors whereas somewhere like Oxfordshire where you have these um, um, rural towns or rather these idyllic settings a bit like Windsor and Maidenhead perhaps where there will be more cafe terraces sort of experiences so i wonder whether um it's actually just um make no difference to slough whatsoever but a nice political note well um do, doing some research um about 23 uh, percent of the slough population in 2018 keep in, keep in mind um they they were smokers so it's quite a it's quite a high rate and uh, also considering that um slough has had Poor air quality um, over the years, and council is doing something about that. Um, I think it's something they would consider. I wonder if there's a cultural thing as well. Different communities have different attitudes towards smoking. You've got people smoking the shish, the hubba bubba pipes. I know there's a challenge with that when that was banned, uh, and where people do things like that. But uh, some people smoke more than others. Different nationalities would tend to do that. If you travel the world, there are people, you go into some places and, the, and everyone smokes. And you mm. go to others, very, very few people smoke. Yeah, yeah. I also wonder, James, any comment on vaping? How does vaping fit into this picture? Well, I think vaping is uh, something different, though. Um, I'm not too sure of vaping, actually. Uh, so there's no comment about no, no, um, banning vaping outdoors? Yeah, well, I haven't seen anything on that. Okay, because equally it it has health issues for your lungs, taking all those chemicals and other products, and there are many sort of um, lung pulmonary conditions which have been caused by by vaping. So, And you can increase the strength of your nicotine. So, I don't know, do you blow out more nicotine for others to inhale if you're vaping? I think, I I, I mean, I just, uh, you're right. There are are lots of imponderables about about where we go with this. Do we want a society where our children are going to inherit smoking habits? My my personal choice is no. And and there's going to be some hard battles. It was a bit like the demise of the coal industry, that, you know, it's not easy to, to... to sort of chop an industry and people will fight to the bitter end for their right to do what they want. I don't mind people having their right. I think that's one of the key things about democracy. It's when it has an impact on other people, I think, that matters. I'm very interested in re- listening to... Oh, not listening, reading Wikipedia right in front of me now. I think that some areas, certain, like um, smoking rooms in hotels, nursing homes, prisons, submarines, offshore oil rigs, 
and stages and television sets, if it's needed for performance, will be initially exempted, as well as royal palaces. So did you say as well oil, as oil rigs? I did. Oil oh. rigs and royal palaces. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Is that going to be exempted from this legislation? Or is it still part of that same process where all they're doing is expressing it differently? That's a surprise about oil rigs, but they're fine just in case. Absolutely. The wiki spoke there. So, James, is there a consultation or is this a, a fait accompli? Is it a done deal? Are they saying that, listen, sorry guys, it's happening. You can't say what you want to say or you can, but we're not going to listen. Uh, well, I'm not too sure about the public consultation because these are very early stages, but uh, I would expect it to go to consultation with uh, key stakeholders, uh, public health. Stuff but like that. not necessarily the Federation of Small Businesses. Well, we have to wait again. Okay. Not, 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 not a lot of news on that, I'm afraid. So if you're from the FSB out there and you've got something to say about banning smoking in your pubs and restaurants, uh, outdoor terraces, then uh, please send us an email. So studio at river.radio or wisdom at river.radio. James, thank you for that. Let, let's go to a song now. Hmm, let's think about this. I think we should um, slow things down, have a bit of Louis Capaldi. What do you think? I'm going on during this time I fear there's no one to save me This all and nothing really got away Driving me crazy I need somebody to hear Somebody to know Somebody to have Somebody to hold It's easy to say But it's never the same
That was a lovely song by Lewis Capaldi, just bringing the tone down and perhaps even lamenting the loss of outdoor smoking areas. Who knows? You tell me what you think. Email us, studio at river.radio or wisdom at river.radio. James, back to town. I understand that Boris visited the area recently. Well, yes, he visited Cheshire and Amersham uh, last, uh, I think, Monday, actually, um, uh, vying for uh, Peter Fleet, who's the Conservative candidate there, uh, just to give some clarity on this. Uh, there's a by-election happening in Cheshire and Amersham. Uh, Dane G- uh, Gerald Gillian um, sadly passed away uh, last Easter, oh, Easter 2020. Yep. And, uh, well, they decided to find a... Uh, replacer. Um, yeah. Is she replaceable? Do you think that it was all about her and her, her own, um, how to put it, um, charisma and her own empathy yeah. with, or, or actually, is it just a shoe in for the Conservatives? Uh, well, um, I think she was quite, quite well liked. I mean, she's been MP since 1992, I believe, or sometime, sometimes in the 90s. But um, on your question about is it going to be a conservative stronghold? Um, yes, but just mainly uh, mainly on the fact that uh, it has been conservative since its creation in the seventies. So um, they've always always been a landslide uh, victory with lib- li- uh, the Liberal Democrats coming the closest, I'd say. Out, out of, out of well, all the do you know what? Many years ago, I was in touch with um, the one and only Brian May from Queen who had a um, campaign going a few elections ago, general elections ago, and it was called Colourblind. And so he said, vote for the person, not for the colour. And the interesting thing that came out of all of those discussions, did you know I'd had a chat with Brian May? Well, in Are you just trying to? Yeah, 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 no. <laughs> oh, as an email. Okay, should we do this competition and see who's chatted to <laughs> who? Who else are we going to name yeah. her up? No yeah. one. Okay, my wife. Carol, hello. <laughs> so anyway, back to um, Brian May. So one of the interesting things about all that discussion was that if people who didn't vote voted, the complexion would be completely different. We could actually change completely the um, political complexion and flavour of this country, not just your area, but this country. So the last election, uh, there was a large turnout, 76 77%. What if it's a low turnout? And do you think that people might vote tactically to look to, um, to replace or... The Conservative? Uh, well, uh, I'm not remembering his name now, but the former uh, Conservative cabinet... Um, Just Dominic Grieve. Um, I think so. I can't yeah, he, 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 he's he, a little Democrat. He asked for, the, for Labour and the rest of the parties to drop out and keep it between the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats for this by-election, by the way. Right. Um, because of what you just put out of uh, tactical voting yep. or... Or taking the votes away from Liberal Democrats or Conservatives. Right. OK, let's go through the candidates. So for the Green Party, we've got Carolyn Culver. The re- rejoined the EU, we've got Brendan Donnelly. Conservatives, we have Peter Fleet. For the Liberal Democrats, Sarah Green. For the Breakthrough Party, Carla Gregory. Freedom Alliance, Adrian Oliver. For the Labour Party, we've got Nataza Pantelic. I apologise, Nataza. It's Natasha Pantelic. Ah, Matejo Pentelic. Okay, that's close. That's close. Wow, well done, you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and of course we've got the Reform Party with Alex Wilson. You actually met Natasha, didn't you? Yes, that's correct. I interviewed because she is a Slough councillor, so that's hold on, hold on, Slough. Yes, uh, yeah, she's the lead member for social care and public 
help. So she's not a Chesham or Amersham person then? No, but so when I spoke to her, she will, if she wins, um, she will move there and resign. Well, I should her. hope so, yeah, at the <laughs> very least. Res- resign her council role. But so I asked her, um, do you think you know, the people of Slough or the people of her ward, which is Sipida Meadows, would feel a bit betrayed? And she said, no, I think they would understand because mm. um, I've done such a good job over the years. So it'll be, be interesting if she does win, to be honest. Okay, so a very confident lady. Okay, how old is she? Uh, she's 35. Okay, so she's um, pretty much a Labour Party member, diehard, being parachuted in to take over the seat. But they must have real confidence in her, I suppose. Yes, I mean, she's been endorsed by Tony Blair and Keir Starmer, um, and amongst other MPs, and right. getting on her behalf as well. So. Okay. And, and tell us about Peter Fleet, because I understand that perhaps um, you may have a little bit of information about Peter. Uh, well, he's going to uh, carry on the legacy of Dame Cheryl um, of making the Chilterns into a national park. Um, so um, it's an area of outstanding beauty. Um, so it gives it more protection from development. So it's um, uh, also uh, for developers not to uh, put the properties on there or anything like that. Um, and uh, with HS2, um, I think it's working out the best deal with. Um, government because it's sort of inevitable at this point. Wow. Well, that's an interesting point. So, um, Mr. Fleet's for HS2, is he? Uh, I think so. I can't well, I guess he has to be after Boris Johnson turned up and um, started to talk about HS2. But interestingly, Dame Cheryl Gillian had opposed HS2 and said she's not going to pretend that it's without impact. Or rather, that's actually what Mr. Fleet said. He's not going to pretend that it's without an impact, but described it as a fact of life. Interesting that you're going to try and create the area of an outstanding natural beauty of the Chilterns while you're going to stick a flipping great tunnel through half of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, and it's not just a tunnel, though, isn't it? it it's, um, I know there are many people in, in Cookham and Marlow who are really opposed to HS2 because what they're doing is uprooting hundreds and hundreds of acres of natural forest, irreplaceable habitat. And let me say that again, irreplaceable habitat. Once it's gone... It's gone. With that wildlife, those corridors, those connections, they've gone. Sorry, guys. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm slightly surprised that as a result of what's happened over the last 18 months, they haven't revisited it. And, and it's still not too late. So what's happened over the last 18 months? Well, the fact that it's changed our whole working life, way of life. We do so many things remotely now uh, as a preference, and we've become masters of that. So we do not need to, to sit on a train. We do not need to sit in a car, and we're encouraged not to anyway. And here we are still investing. And there's almost a point of of we have to carry on doing that. I remember a, a time when uh, it was back in the Cold War, when we invested money in downsizing the stations after some, some military stations after the Cold War, but because we'd awarded contracts to improve and build them, we let them go ahead and build them uh, because it was cheaper to do that than to cancel it. And that's the, the, the reality of this. And so it'd be fascinating to see what Mr Fleet says and does in his, in his election promises. When's the election? It's June 17th. So okay, it's not long. Not, not long, long to go. So, children, if you're listening, and Mike mentioned the Cold War. The Cold War was something that happened a long time ago between Russia and America when they really weren't talking to each other. <laughs> they really weren't talking to each other. Not to, as opposed to now. Are we talking to them now? I mean, it's post-war, though, wasn't it, when they were still moving to try and yes. uh, build up their power bases and um, the Russians 
um, or the communists as they were at the time, wanted to build up their power as opposed to America, which was the new economy rising fast yeah, look with what's a huge that. fleet. <laughs> I love this because everything is linked. So we start a conversation about a by-election in Amersham and actually it links through to the the Cold War. Look it up. Okay, That's the best way to do it. And can I bring in an extra link here between all of the stories we've talked about so far? The Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Did you know that you can still smoke um, cigars as part of this um, deal? It doesn't quite affect cigars. Oh my goodness me, so Cuba and the Missile Crisis (laughs) and Khrushchev and Kennedy are linked back to sitting outside a restaurant going, I can smoke a cigar. Do you know that's that's (laughs) surreal because cigar smoke is the most potent of all the smokes. Fewer chemicals though. Standing up for all you cigar aficionados out there. You are very pro the smoking lobby here. I can see it and feel it. But uh, pass me a cigar, put it out. I remember, I, I remember when I, uh, when, as, a, as an air traffic controller in a previous life, when I walked into an approach room and you could barely see because of the smoke, because yeah. people use it as a way of relaxing to help them do their job. And they argued and argued about them needing to do that. Now, not allowed. And funnily enough, people can still do their job. Cigars, pipes, churillos, cigarillos. Vapes. Sweet Do Bassett. not forget the face. Sweet Bassett cigarettes. And what's a Sweet Bassett cigarette? A Bassett was a company that made these little pretend cigarettes you could buy as a child. Okay. They, they, they called them cigarettes and now I think they call them... I don't know, rockets or something. Something something totally different yeah. now. Anyway, we, we, we digress. Going yeah. back to Boris. So this is what um, Boris actually said. In the long run, we need efficient ways, a clean way of getting lorries off the road and getting freight onto the rail. We're still, I'm afraid, many years from being able to run big road haulage with electric vehicles. We're going very fast with EVs and with cars, but lorries, they take time. HS2 will make a big difference to our ability to move stuff in an environmentally friendly way up and down the country and it will take a lot of freight off the road do you believe that in emerson and chesham do you believe that so if you're in emerson and chesham now do let us know studio at river.radio if you can see a piece of heavy freight going by no of course not i mean there's a busy road there are busy roads all over the place and it's you know it's commuter belt for london so it gets busy but um actually it's some distance away from the major motorways so Mm, tricky one. Okay. I can't actually see this going very far in terms of that discussion because mm. the government has to believe in something and invest in it whole, totally and they just don't seem to believe in anything other than being re-elected because we can... And this is just from some of my work on, on environmental, social and governance issues. We can actually um, change our whole transportation system, but we'd have to take out lots of small businesses and offer a networking network rail for all of the point-to-point vehicles, electric vehicles, which take things from one distribution point to another. So um, I can't see that happening. So but you're listening, just let me remind you, you're listening to Wisdom to Costa, Mike Borton and our guest James Bagley here on Politically Correct in the Thames Valley. Don't forget you listen to us on web, on mobile, on Alexa. Fantastic. Thank you, Mike. So what next? So we've talked about um, HS2. We've only just talked about it. I mean, we could talk about that for a lot longer, but I do want to hear what people what you are listening to. When you listen to us, what, what do you think about HS2? Do you want it? Is it, is it a problem? Is it actually just a complete and utter waste of money, jobs for the boys or certain boys? What do you think? Email us, 
wisdom at river.radio. What's next? What is next? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so I understand that all is not well in the RBWM. What's going on in the Royal Borough Windsor Maidenhead? Well, um, in terms of uh, libraries, I think it's uh, a good news story, <laughs> I do believe. Um, uh, that's the libraries uh, in the Royal Borough. They, all of them have, are going to remain open. Uh, if, just to give some background on that, uh, the Royal Borough are thinking about uh, closing four libraries, which include Wingrove, Deadworth, Datchet and Sunning Hill. But uh, they're no longer going to be closed, um, albeit they'll be at reduced hours. So uh, Boyne Grove, for example, um, during COVID, it was open for 20 hours. It's now be open for 13 hours a week. Um, so this... So let, let's go back a second. So um, why did the RBWM even consider closing any libraries, let alone just a few? Money. <laughs> Pretty much to save, to save a bit of money and also um, to go to go for this uh, digital offer as well. Uh, this twenty four seven digital offer, um, which would you can access the library from much from your home, which would help people who for legitimate reasons. But a library is so much more than just some data in reading material, isn't it? Yeah, it's a community space. So Absolutely. You can Fire out spaces for community uh, events, and um, can also be a safe space for people who kind of just want to get away from something and indulge in a book. Yep, safe space to study, to learn, a place for at least meeting. Even well, certainly hooking. No, sorry, let me rephrase that. I wasn't say hooking up, but I didn't mean hooking up. I mean meeting and uh, your friends, a point of contact. And I, I think. For me, it's a great safe space, which means mental health is, is, a, is a big I, I think factor that if, in that. I think that uh, there's a recognition now, the value that the library brings. And it's not the library we remember from when we were young, uh, of just going in, book in, book out. There's so much more. It is, you're right, it's an area where they hold classes, they teach, they support, they support the community in a way that's open. And, and I think most libraries are going that way, which is... Which is a positive, has to be. Mm. But to me, it's also a paragon. It's an icon in the sense that it gives you a place you say, yep, learning is important. Yep, reading is important. Yep, stopping thinking, um, reflecting. Those things are important. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I also like the fact that there was a, a, there was a, you know, there was a, a thought maybe 10, 20 years ago that libraries were going to disappear uh, because they were passe, they were no longer relevant. And actually, it's kind of turned around. Which, which again, has to be a good thing. It'd be good to see them building new ones. I actually love the Slough Borough Council Library, the one that went and we've now got a, a moxie um, super, not super store, but a super, super um, pile them high, sell them cheap, I hope, um, residence. Pile them high, sell them cheap. I always <laughs> thought that the Slough Borough Council was just an absolute icon, the, the South Public Library, but I, I'm looking at blank faces here, so I guess oh, I'm nice. the only I've one. not been there. I've not been there. Have you not? No. Oh, I thought it was a beautiful design. Just a little bit smaller on the kids' I'm, area I'm side. I'm sure it but, is. Uh, I'm sure it is. The reference library at the top, fabulous. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Many a day studying my accountancy books up there. <laughs> so this is part of their transformation strategy at RBWM. So they're not going to close as many. So what's the impact on their financial savings then? Sorry, transformation. Well, actually, they're still going to save some money um, because uh, they, what they're going to do now um, 
in instead of closing libraries, is discontinuing uh, the mobile library service, uh, which sort of drives around everywhere in the borough um, for people to use, um, as well as closing a few container libraries, uh, apart from the one in uh, well, they're, they're keeping the one in Raysbury, uh, the library container in Raysbury. Um, that will save costs, uh, uh, towing costs of £55,000. Um, but um, uh, overall, um, this will save £292,000 for the rural borough um, swapping this. Uh, what this had they hoped to be saving by closing more libraries? Um, I'm not too sure the bits, but it, I think it's slightly more than that. But, um, but I, I guess because of contain groups as well. Um, urging them to um, find other ways to save the libraries uh, and how to do that. And what about the occupancy and usage rates? I know that um, last year, in 1920, rather two years ago, there were 700,000 loans and a million visits. Are we saying that they're... And how do they justify any cuts when you're talking about those levels of numbers? Well, I would say that uh, some of the parish councils uh, will be picking up the, the costs... Um, as well, um, some efficiency costs in cleaning, for example, uh, in a few libraries, not all libraries, I must stress. Um, so that, that's that's way to cut some efficiency. Okay, so I wonder, actually, as we talked about a few few episodes ago, the the increase, or not the increase, but the possibility to, imp- to have a parished area, a parish council, town council, if you don't have one. I wonder if parish and town councils could take over some of these roles? Providing a library, if they've got the space, of yes, course. Yes, uh, if a Windsor Town Council is formed, they'll be picking up some costs for uh, Deadworth Library, um, which I, I must say, uh, I, I, when I mentioned Deadworth Library, in my thought, that, uh, that, um, that's, that was earmarked, not for closure, but to have their hours cut. Um, that's, they're keeping their 23 hours I'm absolutely. I should just mention that very quickly. And I should declare an interest being a a council from that area. We we love the library and we want to keep to keep it open as a multi facility usage as well as um, as a point for uh, people to learn how to learn. I like that. Learn how to learn. (laughs) Exactly. It does. I. I. You know, there are places where you you can should be able to get a cup of coffee and go and chat. They're almost like some of the large art galleries in London as well. They have the same power to bring people together and and allow them to to deal with so many different things that happen in their life and if you, so it should be to the point where especially for those who don't have access to the internet they go there and they can ask any question okay so listeners do you use the library do you find it of use do your children do your friends and family use the library would you be happy for libraries to close and for you just to get all of your internet needs or other all of your learning needs social needs on the internet or is that going to cause more problems Email me, wisdom at river.radio. Now, finally, we've, what's our final topic? We're going to look at a fairly controversial issue here. Yes, yes. So um, what I received uh, during the week was quite an interesting one, quite a um, mad idea, depending which way you want to look at it. Uh, so Raysbury Parish Council, um, they sent a letter for action, letter, uh, letter to the Royal Borough. Now, what that means is, is telling them, that they intend to pursue a judicial review over both the Royal, Borough, uh, the Royal Boroughs and the Environment Agency's decision of not going through with the River Thames scheme. Now, 
what what that what that is it's originally through a ten scheme so it's a 650 million pound scheme uh, set up from originally from Datship to Tennington to protect properties businesses uh, from flooding but uh, as you may well know with wisdom the they're carrying on about the Royal Borough, so Channel 1, which would have been from Datchet to Bells Weir, which would have protected that area, and that's no one going through. Uh, mainly the reason is uh, the Royal Borough failed to get a flood levy and council tax. So uh, if that went through, for instance, residents would be of the Royal Borough would be paying for the Royal Borough's contribution. So the Royal Borough, they put £10 million into that. Mm. Uh, and how much? £52 million uh, pot. So, so the uh, level that RBWM were originally put down to invest was fifty million of about a was it a billion pound scheme or six hundred million pound scheme? Six hundred fifty million. So, not an exceptionally high amount. Obviously, it is for for a specific council. Who's putting the lion's share of the money into the scheme? Who else is putting it? It's, um, it's the uh, sorry, county council. And they're about three hundred twenty-five million. I understand. Yeah, something around that uh, figure. They put. A, Huge investment into it. Uh, I think it's just going to mainly take up most of the. Of the and, and where did they get the money from? Did they manage to generate a flood levy? No, it, I believe uh, it's from borrowing, and uh, I think they made room in their budget to actually borrow that money. Whereas uh, Councillor Ewan Larkham, um, Royal Borough uh, Councillor for Datchet, Hawk, and Raysbury, brought that point up. But um, unfortunately, the council can't borrow that money. Um, they just can't afford. They just can't afford to borrow it because yep. over that they will have to pay one point three million pounds a year for fifty years, and that's considering the financial state that the council is in right now. Uh, they just can't afford it. I'm so tempted to make a political comment at this stage. Well, do it, do it. Yeah. Well, basically, what's happened here is that the the the, the Conservative Council have kept council tax at such a low rate, cut everything to the bone that. I'm sorry, guys, there are going to be casualties. And some of these casualties are going to be people living in Datchet, Halton and Raysbury, as we're not going to protect their properties with, a, with an extra scheme. In fact, it could be worse, surely. Because if you think about it, if you've got the Jubilee River currently popping into the Thames and then a new channel will come down further out, you've got a small section of the Thames which is going to have all of the water going in. I should just quickly mention the, the Royal Borough on our liaising with the environment agency to find a, an alternative scheme to the River Thames scheme using that £10 million. So there is going to be an alternative what it is. We don't know right now. Okay. And the EA, I understand, have said, actually, guys, it's so long now since you've reneged on your um, offer, shall I say, rather than your promise of putting in money into the kitty that we can't, we've already gone further ahead with the design proposals and the commissioning that you can't participate anymore. You're too late. You can't be covered. Yes, and the, I was speaking to the Royal Borough Leader, Councillor Andrew Johnson. Um, he said that um, even if uh, they're willing to, uh, the River Thames sponsoring group, uh, were willing for the Royal Borough to come back, the costs. Now, this not a precise figure, but I, um, I heard the word significant, very significant. So it'll probably be even more than £52 million just to rejoin it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems it would be great if there was a solution around this to try and, and because the, the good thing about these extra rivers and channels is that they create habitat 
and that's so important. It's not just a flood alleviation scheme, which is, you know, it's got the huge merits, but it also creates habitat. But you raised an interesting point there, which is money, revenue, and uh, we have uh, we have money in a pot, and we can only spend it once. Uh, and it can only go on so many different things. So that justification of how you get that and spend it, and if someone is, if they've underinvested or, or cut back, then there's a reality. They have no money. Can, can I be controversial? I think the real issue here that we're all heading around in terms of RBWM is the fact that they need to increase their council tax, but they don't dare increase their council tax in case they don't get voted in again. But surely in this day and age, there have been a, a big how should I put it, a, um, uh, somebody who likes to, to talk about this and promote it is that we're all grown up now with the internet, with other forms of education. We understand what's going wrong. We understand when we have stories from River Radio, on, uh, from our local democracy reporters. We begin to get a picture. So surely we're at a stage where they, we can talk about increasing council tax. Yes. Do you want it or not? But if you're you don't, quite right. This is what you're not going to get. We have a system where every few years people are up for re-election and they want to be elected and uh, and uh, the stark comparison with someone like china where they make their investment over a long period of time because there is no disagreement or competition and so they can build an infrastructure with a long-term plan because they don't have to appeal to voters for no, justification I'm, I'm sorry i have to quite, quite i have to step in there and say hold on a second Politicians shouldn't be thinking about their short-term interests, whether they're going to win next time, but, they but do. the long-term interests of their residents. But they don't. It's true, they don't, but so, they so have no excuse. Let's go with the reality. And, and what would be lovely in this nirvana where people actually thinking long-term, but they don't. People are thinking about themselves because it's the type of world we live in. It would be great if because we've gone bouncy politics over the last 50, 60 years... And that's the way we probably will stay. Unless unless we have a long-term committed plan of improvement and that's endorsed by every party, then things will be undone as we go along. And that's the whole premise of, my sh- of this show, obviously, yeah. is to inform and empower you residents because there are things you absolutely can do to change your environment, long-term, medium-term and short-term. So here we go. We're pretty much at the end of the show now. But... There's one other thing which we're going to be talking about next week. What's that? What's the thing that's just hit the press? James? Uh, that's just hit the press. Absolutely. The re- change to our boundaries. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. So it's quite interesting. Uh, that's boundaries across the Thames Valley uh, region. So. And we'll be covering that next week and in the shows to come. So please email your comments to, to wisdom at river.radio if you are worried about what's happening to your boundary. James will be writing about this, I'm sure, in, in one of the local papers soon. Yep, it'll be out tomorrow. Okay, great. With all of that mayhem and craziness, we're now going to close. Thank you for listening to River Radio and Politically Correct Show. You were listening to James Bagley, Michael Burton, and myself, Wisdom to Costa. We're going to close with Queen and David Bowie under pressure.
turned away from it all like a blind man. Sound offense, but it don't work. Keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn. Oh. 